All right, good to see you guys. I, I want to start off this morning with a, a passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 12, um, that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Paul's talking about how he's building, and he's building on the foundation of Christ, and he writes these words. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, silver jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Would you all pray with me? Father God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to to be in your house. God, to worship you, to, to proclaim your praises, Lord, to recognize that you are the only king forever. God, to be overwhelmed by everything that you've done and to know that you are a mighty warrior who's already won the victory for us. And and God, I pray that you would just open up our hearts and minds. And, and God, my, my hope and confidence right now is, is not in myself, Lord, but it's in your word and in the truth. And God, I, I pray that what happens in the next few minutes in this room makes a difference in our world. God, may we truly be that city on a hill. May we truly be that light up on its stand. God, may the world see our good deeds. May our one see our good deeds and come to know you and glorify you. In, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is it. It's our final week in our message series, Pray for One, uh, but it's not the end of Pray for One uh, because the concept, the lifestyle of Pray for One, it's not going anywhere, right? I mean, we're just getting started with this idea of praying for one. And the purpose of Pray for One, as we said many, many times before, is, is to align our heart with the heartbeat of God. It's for us to be laser focused on our mission. It's for us to to make the gospel each day's destination. It's for us not to just meet and talk about and buy t-shirts about our our one job, but for us to actually do our one job, which is to bring God's tired, weary, lost, broken, hopeless, and harassed children back home. Amen? Amen. I understand despite all the distractions out there, and there is a bunch, some even self-imposed, we only have how many jobs? We got one job. And now it's time for a few more. You had one job pictures, right? I only had one job, right? And now you get to do it with your friend, right? <laughs> I only had one job, right? How'd you mess that one up? I only had one job. Please slow drively, right? You know, all right? I only had one job. I don't know how you do that. Um, I only had one job. The parking lot is too dark, right? I don't think that's going to help the parking lot very much. I only had one job. All right. King Burger, right? How did you mess that one up? I mean, right next to it is Burger King. You you only had one job, right? Canned cat, right? Uh, I I hear it tastes a lot like chicken, right? Uh, All right. I only had one job. I I love those. There's there's tons of them. Uh, Question... As followers of Jesus, as a church, what, what is our one job? It's 
to seek and save the lost, to make disciples, to, to be his witnesses. And, and listen, if we fail to do our one job as a church, if, if you failed to do your one job, if, if I failed to do my one job, then nothing else we do matters. Tell the person to your right and left, you have one job. And now tell them, are you going to do it? And, and now slap them in the head and say, what's your problem? No. <laughs> okay. We're having fun at church today. All right. And, and, and what we've been doing, we've been unpacking some practical action steps that we can take that will help us do our one job. And the first action step is to pray, is to pray for one, is to pray that prayer. You know, Lord, give me one person that I can share your love with today. And let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Lord, give me one person that I can share your love with today. You know, have you been praying that prayer? And understand, really praying that prayer, it kind of changes everything. I mean, it kind of it kind of ignites your radar, right? And, and you begin to wonder, like, who is God going to bring into your sphere of influence that you might be able to share God's love with, right? It's like, okay, Lord, I know today you'll bring somebody close by that I can share your love with, and my eyes are open, and I'm ready for it. Uh, the second action step is to connect, is to become very intentional about building relationships with people who do not know Christ. And so have you been doing that? Have you been building any, have you made any new relational connections? The third action step is to serve, right? It's to see people, to see our ones through the lens of judgment. No, through the lens of, we're good at judgment, right? We don't need any more classes on that. Church got, we have that down. Through the lens of compassion, right? Uh, to see them as sheep who are harassed and helpless without a shepherd, Serve is about seeing a need, and when we do, we stop, we drop, and we get off our donkey, and we share what we have in order to meet that need. And the fourth action step is share. Share what? We share our faith, the faith. We share the gospel. We share the good news. We share Christ. And understand, when our connecting with and our serving our ones opens up an opportunity for us to share our own personal faith story, or for us to share God's story, how they too can get in on what Jesus accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago, we have to be prepared with our story and with God's story. And the fifth action step is to grow, right? Because we said, you know, our job's not done once we help somebody find Christ, but our job continues as we continue the discipling process, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And we said last week, you know, there's three key ingredients for us to grow. And to help our one grow, uh, um, peanut butter and jelly, right? PBJ, right? The P stands for people. You need people to help you grow, right? Uh, the B stands for Bible, right? You need to be in this book, right? And, and the J stands for jelly, right? You need, you need lots of jelly, right, in order to grow um, in Christ. And uh, what we're going to do today, we're going to conclude the message series, but not pray for one. And, and, and by talking about pray for one, you know, what if... Why not a tale of two kingdoms? But before we do that, I've asked a couple of people, and they're going to come up right now to share their personal faith stories, right? And again, be working on those things, you know, your elevator speech, your three-minute or so talk about what God has done in your life, the before Christ, the 
Christ experience and the after Christ. And we'll start with Susan. Good morning. I'm Susan. Hi. I grew up on a farm in Tidewater, Virginia, where church life and Jesus was at the core of our lives. Church was a comforting, safe place where I'd get to see all my relatives and good friends. I loved Jesus and his teachings, and I became a Christian in my early childhood. When I was 16, I started having doubts about God and my religion. I became disillusioned, cynical, and angry after a couple of scandals at church with leaders. Then, at age 18, my cousin Brandon was brutally murdered, and I couldn't find any good answers about why such a terrible tragedy had happened. I did things um, my own way for many years, partying and only stepping inside a church at the holidays to pacify my parents. By my mid-20s, I had put my self-destructive behavior in the past and went to church but still didn't have a connected relationship with Jesus. The last few years of my life has been driven by a deep desire to know more about Jesus, to extend grace instead of cynicism, and to replace anger and bitterness with peace. And I feel like I've been falling in love with Jesus again. Hello, I'm Kim Glass, and this is my faith story. When I was growing up, my life centered around church. I worshiped there, I socialized there, I studied the word there, and I was baptized with my grandpa there. Our youth group was large and had a mission. We reached out to those in the community, hoping to bring them to Christ. As I grew up and it was time to go to college, I I was accepted into the university of my dreams. Then I changed. I no longer had Jesus in the front and center of my life, I didn't quit believing, but I put Jesus on the back burner. I decided to sow my wild oats, so let me say I had a lot of heartache. After college, I married. I decided it was time to get back involved in church and to get Jesus centered. Once again, I became an active member. My husband and I had two children, and sadly, 10 days after the birth of our daughter, he told me that he never loved me, he didn't know why he married me, and why we had children. That was a devastating blow. Immediately, I took to my bed and prayed, way to go, God, way to kick me in the butt to do something with my life. I always thought that was an odd first response, but after that moment, I thought, adults mess up kids, and I'm going to do something about it. So his plan continues to be revealed to me. My husband and I struggled for the next year in and out of counseling and in marriage seminars, And finally, on Father's Day, he called to tell me it was over and he moved out. My husband had left me for my best friend. I had no job and was left alone with two babies. I reached out to the church for support but was shunned. No longer did the church have any need for me or my children. Church became a source of pain and a reminder of my failure. I decided to be a good person and could live my life without a church family. And I learned to pray daily God, let your will be my will. Throughout the years, I was a silent Christian and made many mistakes. After a long relationship, I had my third child. God's plan was revealing. In 2004, I married my soulmate, a Christian man. He too was a single dad who had been shunned by his church. 
We blended our family with six children, and we have had many times of great joy and of great pain. A significant moment happened when I was offered the chance to speak at my hometown church 70th reunion. It was my way of giving back to my childhood church that I love so much. My family was there to support me. And afterwards, my son said to me, Mom, I didn't know you were a Christian. I was flabbergasted. What was God telling me? Months later, my best friend dropped dead. Without any warning, my mother and my mother-in-law died two weeks later. My other best friend died six months later, and yet another best friend was dying. Four people that I loved had been taken from me. I became the walking dead. I was only going through life's gestures. I was shocked and broken. Things got worse. Throughout my pain, I did not realize the depth of my youngest daughter's pain. Months passed and I started to notice she was harming herself. She was depressed. She did not want to go on. Was it because we'd lost so many and were was possibly losing another? Fortunately, her friend Bryce McGann, and many of you may know him, invited her to youth group here at Maple Grove, and Lori Malone, the youth pastor, reached out to her. My daughter was finding a way to deal with her pain. Finally, she had the courage to reveal to me that not only was she depressed over all the losses, but she had been assaulted. The whole time she thought she could deal with her hurt on her own, and she was wrong. She was withering from life. Lori found a way to reach her through Jesus' love. My daughter began to slowly heal. She wanted me to come to the church that was saving her here at Maple Grove. I did, and Jesus is healing me. My daughter accepted Christ and was baptized. As a result, her older sister was baptized, her brother-in-law was baptized, and their other family members have been baptized. And a few weeks ago, her stepdad was baptized as well. My message is Jesus saves and Jesus heals. Our past is behind us, and I will no longer be a silent Christian. My name is Dan, and this is my faith story. Uh, I grew up uh, in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, wonderful parents, had three brothers. Uh, I was shy and introverted. My grandparents lived next door to me, and my grandmother, my grandma McClish, was a godly woman. She shared Christ with me, shared the Bible, but I, I listened to her out of respect. Not so much I was being fed, but I truly was. I went away to college when I was 18 years old, lived in the dorm, and then almost immediately I started smoking marijuana extensively, and I also drank quite a bit. And my grades suffered because the only thing I was concerned about was myself. Uh, this was a period before Christ I called my disobedience towards Christ. Uh, like I said, I was concerned about myself. I was irresponsible with my money and my time. Uh, I showed no compassion and concern for others, and I was very dishonest. After college, I continued to smoke pot with friends. I also uh, smoked pot uh, quite a bit at a couple job sites, too. Get, I could have gotten fired, but I didn't really care. I joined the Air Force, and I continued to smoke marijuana, even though there hadn't been drug testing. Then one day, just literally three days after I'd smoked pot, 
uh, we had a drug test, but for some reason I was not tested. I was a, a Air Force NCO and they had a policy, I found out, that if you were an NCO and tested positive, you were kicked out of the Air Force. God got my attention real fast. At that time, I met a friend named Brian Walker. He brought me, continued to witness to me. He was a very bold Christian and witnessed to me. And I went to a Pentecostal church, and shortly thereafter, I accepted Christ. Brian uh, was always a, uh, um, an example to me, and to this day, he's still an example. Um, and I, I just, I think what happened was I just wasn't happy with my personal life in the Air Force. Uh, but I knew I needed to, to surrender to Christ, and I did, and I started to grow. Um, and then, like I said, I, I wasn't, my, my Christian walk was kind of on the back burner, so to speak. Uh, in 1995, I, I met uh, Pam Stotterell, who became my wife the following year. And she changed my life a great deal. She is my helpmate, my soulmate, my friend, and my lover. And I appreciate her very much because she's made me grow. I'll tell you what Christ has done for me. And I just put a few of these down here. He's still doing a work in me. Uh, he made me a more giving person, a person to encourage people, a compassionate person, a forgiving person, a person who more easily says they are sorry than I used to, a person who loves more easily, a person who sees the pain, hurt, and struggles of others more easily, and having a greater desire to witness to unsaved and unchurched uh, people. Uh, I want to say this with Bob and Chris Vitrikas, um uh, in the audience today. I want to say that uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is just inviting Bob to a prayer breakfast that Pastor Steve had at Injek, and now they're here in the church, they've been baptized, and they're serving God. And to all of you, never give up on your one. Never give up for, for any reason because those, those people need you out there and you just never know what an invite to the church will mean. Uh, God's still doing a work in me. Uh, there's a lot that, that I need to learn, but I'm willing and able and I want to serve and that's my faith story. Woo. Amen. Amen. Good job, buddy. Not bad for an Air Force guy. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I love it. Maple Grove, our, our God is alive and well and working in the lives of his people. Like sand through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. They go and they go. I mean, look at them going. They're going kind of fast, aren't they? And, and that's what life does. It, it just goes. I, I mean, there's an end, right? Now, listen, now initially, most of us think, man, I, I got a lot of time, right? I got a lot of sand. Before we know, we realize that we really don't have all that much time left. Like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. Question, anybody ever watch that show? Anybody brave enough to admit it? All right. Now, 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 now my mom was a big fan, and not of days, but of GH, General Hospital. I mean, she watched it when I was growing up, and when I would, 
she was still watching whenever I would visit her, and over the years, I would occasionally watch an episode with her, and the crazy thing is, sometimes it could have been like years since I watched one of those shows, but it only took me about five minutes to catch up with what was going on with Luke and Laura and Sonny and Jason and Jax and Brenda and Robin and Carly, you know, because the, the plot lines and the drama were all pretty much the same. And, and you know, I, I think in a way that really does describe the pattern of this world that we live in. The plot lines and the drama are pretty much the same. Sure, a, a few characters may come and go, but like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. They, they drop and they drop and they drop. And, and while some of the day-to-day circumstances may look different, for most of us, life really does follow a pattern that looks like Every other day looks like every other day, and every life looks like every other life. But listen, Jesus came to deliver us from the pattern of this world and to give us a different kind of life, a life that he said in John chapter 10, verse 10, a life that is full, rich, and satisfying, a life that he said in the upper room in John 13, a life that is centered on love. In an upper room, Jesus said, a a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And Jesus' love was a sacrificial love, a giving it all up love for the one that he loved. Bottom line, God created us to have a relationship with him, uh, one that is deep, one that is sacrificial, and then God created us to help us, to help others get to know him better. I mean, it's like God is saying, Steve, I I want you to receive my love. Steve, I I want my love to flow into you. I want the fullness of my love to flow into you. And then I want my love to flow out of you like the J and jelly just dripping off that peanut butter and jelly sandwich into the lives of your ones. And when you do this, Steve... This is life. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a different pattern for living than the pattern of this world. In fact, it's a pattern that, that, that is about living beyond this world, which is what Pray for One is all about. I understand when we pray for one, we are actively choosing to build God's kingdom, God's eternal kingdom, instead of building our own temporary kingdom. We are actively choosing to build God's eternal kingdom instead of building our own temporary kingdom. And, and listen, this is a, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a, it's a deal with eternal consequences because life really is a tale of two kingdoms. And the question is, are, are you living to build your kingdom or are you living to build God's kingdom? Now, now some people think, well, I, I don't really need to choose I'll just live my life, I'll just go with the flow and see where I end up. But I can tell you exactly where you'll end up. Like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. Tick, 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 fall, 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 and before you know it, all the sand is gone. Again, that's the normal pattern in this world. Live to build your own personal kingdom. Achieve, achieve, achieve. Build, build, build. Get whatever you can. 
Brothers and sisters, the human default mode is always to build our own personal kingdom. However, if we, if, we, if we go against that flow, if we cut against this grain, if we choose to build God's kingdom, we are making a very wise choice. And, and that's what Pray for One is all about. It's about praying every day about something that we know God wants for us. He wants his love to flow into us. And what God wants from us, he wants his love to flow out from us. He wants more people in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Now, Matthew 7, Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount, his inaugural address, if you will, where he talked about, hey, here's what my kingdom is all about. He, he wrapped that uh, sermon up with, with the story about building. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. I mean, who would do that, right? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with, what, a great crash. Jesus said in this life, we have, we have wise builders and we have foolish builders, a wise builder builds his house on the rock. So, so how do you know if you're building wisely? Because you're putting Jesus' teaching in the practice, right? I mean, when, whenever we hear Jesus' words, right, what he taught us, love one another as I have loved you, forgive one another. Whenever we hear Jesus' teaching and we put it into practice, we are choosing to build on his foundation for his kingdom, and we are therefore wise builders. Get it? Good. A, a foolish person, on the other hand, ignores Jesus' teaching, ignores his warnings, and builds his house on sand. Like sand through the hourglass, you know, these are the days of our lives. There, there's no eternal meaning, there's no lasting significance. And notice the two key truths that Jesus points out in Matthew 7. Truth number one is everyone builds a house, right? Everyone builds a house. Everyone builds a life. Everyone's going to live for something, right? And everyone, in fact, is choosing what they will build on and what they will build with. Truth number two, every house faces a storm. Understand the rains are going to come. The floodwaters are going to rise, and the wind is going to blow. And the difference is that the one who builds their house on the rock, on Jesus' teaching on God's kingdom, what he builds will stand firm. What he builds will have eternal value. Now, there are a lot of different storms that we can face in life, right? Relational storms, financial storms, health storms, to name a few. And listen, there are many people in this world, and maybe even a few in this room, who may feel like, you know, I'm a really good builder. <laughs> In fact, I'm a great builder. And so I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to build a life that can successfully navigate and weather every storm this world throws my way. I'm a good builder. But listen, there's a storm that Jesus is talking about. It's a different kind of storm. It's the storm of death. A storm we all face. 
Now, most of us, when we think of dying, we romanticize it, right? We say, hey, I want to die at a ripe old age, peacefully in my sleep, right? Now there are crazy people who say, hey, I want to die because my parachute didn't open when I jumped out of an airplane, right? Uh, but So dying at a ripe old age, peacefully in our sleep. But what's old? I mean, when you're 15, 30's old. <laughs> when you're 30, 50's old. Uh, when you're 50, 70's old. When you're 70, nothing's old, right? <laughs> Uh, like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. I, I understand there is a storm coming, death. And whether you die at the ripe old age of 70, peaceful in your sleep, or because your parachute did not open, it's the exact same storm, and there's no difference. And you just don't know, right? You just don't know, right? I mean, in, in Orlando, right? Some of you may have heard, maybe you didn't, you know, I mean, a mass shooting, 50 people were killed, 53 were wounded in Orlando. You know, I got a Facebook text at 4.30 a.m. from a, a lady I know down there who works for 911, Jessica, and she goes, please pray for Orlando, there's been a mass shooting, right? Or the, or the girl who was excited, uh, from The Voice, who had a concert in Florida, and after the concert, 22 years old, someone just shot her, Right? Listen, no one can navigate around this storm, no matter how great of a builder they think they are. So we have to decide what foundation are we going to build our lives on? And let's pause for a second and just pray for some of those families right now. Heavenly Father, God, we, we just humbly come into your presence. We cannot imagine you know, how, how many people in Orlando... God, are just suffering right now? How many moms and dads and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces and God just are just devastated by what happened? And God, I just pray that this tragedy will help people see you in the midst of this tragedy and that you will be the great comforter. I pray that you will surround them with Christians who do not say stupid things, God, but represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so the question is, we have to decide what foundation are we going to build our lives on? Are, are we going to build our lives on sand through the hourglass that is just going, 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 and eventually be gone? Or will we choose to build our lives on Jesus, investing in eternity and building his kingdom so that when the storm comes, what we have built remains? Paul said, we read earlier, the fire of judgment will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Question the foolish man, when the storm comes for his life, what happens? It comes down with a great crash. And, and understand, it, it, it could be the greatest and most magnificent life ever lived. A, a life that this world admires, a, 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 a death that captures the world's attention for days. But listen, if that life was, was built on sand, if it was not built on Jesus, it will still come down with a great crash. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. However, a life that's built on the foundation of Jesus remains. I understand, brothers and sisters, one or two things will happen in your lifetime. You know, you will die, 
or Jesus will return. That's it, right? One of those things are going to happen. Either way, the end is near. And at the end, our house will either stand or it will fall with a great crash. Get it? Good. Yeah, I know that's not fun. But the truth doesn't have to be fun to be truth, right? And so these truths and this soon approaching storm should move you and I to ask ourselves some questions. Question number one is, am I building my life on the right foundation? Question, are you, am I, are we building our lives on the right foundation? And how do we know? Well, we need to ask ourselves a question, right? Who is number one, right? Who's number one? And, and, and if you're a Jesus follower, who's number one? What's the answer to that question? Who's number one? Jesus, right? Jesus. Some of us, some of you said that like a question. Jesus, I, is that the right answer? Yeah, it, it is the right answer. You know, and, 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 and I believe that every Jesus follower wants that to be true in their life, right? We, we want to believe that's true, that he is number one. Um, but is he really number one or are we just convince ourselves that he is number one? I, I really love the story that Bo tells in chapter 35 of his book, of uh, the devotional about when his son Ace came home from elementary school, and he says, Dad, I'm the fastest kid in my school. He goes like, wow, that's, that's awesome, Ace. So then he started to ask some questions. So you raced your entire school and won? Well, no, just my class. So you raced your entire class and you won. Well, no, I, I just raced the boys. So you and raced all the boys in your class. No, I didn't race all the boys. I, I, I raced just four other boys. So, so you raced four other boys, and you, you were faster than all of them? No, I came in third place. <laughs> but I'm the fastest, you know. <laughs> I love that story. It wasn't true, but he wanted it to be true. And I think a lot of ways, we're like Ace when it comes, when we, when we say Jesus is number one. I, I mean, we want it to be true, and sometimes we convince ourselves that it is true, but is it really true? So we go to Jesus, we say, Jesus Jesus, you are number one. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm so happy that I'm number one. That excites me. Then that must mean that you have some time to spend with me today. And we're like, well, I'm pretty swamped today, Jesus. You know, my my plate is full. My agenda is just overflowing. I got a ton of pressure. I got things to do, people to see, places to go. Jesus, today's just not a good day. Maybe when things settle down, we can get together, but you're still number one, Jesus. He goes, well, I'm glad I'm number one, because that must mean that you have some energy to serve me today. Well, to be honest, I'm just kind of exhausted today, pretty spent, kind of tapped out from work and all the recreation I've been doing. You know, I just need some me time, and I need some time to recuperate, you know, and, 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 and when I'm at my best. Jesus, when I get rested, I'm at my best, then, we, then I'll have some energy to use to serve you. But Jesus, and you are just number one. He goes, well, I'm so glad to hear that I'm still number one. That, that must mean that you have some money that you can give to help build my kingdom. And we're like, hey, 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 wait a minute, big guy. <laughs> I thought we weren't going there. <laughs> thought we weren't going to talk about money. I mean, we just bought a new car. I mean, we got that vacation coming up. You know, and dinner last night, man, that was expensive. Money is tight, Jesus. But once we take care of all that, you know, we'll have some money to help build your kingdom. But Jesus, you are number one. Now, this is just part of our lives, right? Time, energy, and money. But listen, 
if we say Jesus is number one, but we're not giving him much of our time, energy, and money, guess what? He's not. He's not number one. And what we really have is just sand through the hourglass. Because we place so many other things before him. Which really isn't an option for a Jesus follower, right? I, I, I mean, he said in Matthew 6.33 in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, seek first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? He's number one, he's your primary concern, and all these things will be given to you as well. Understand, when we seek God's kingdom first, when his kingdom is our primary concern, it's no longer sands through the hourglass. Instead, it's building up an eternal kingdom. And listen, when his kingdom is our primary concern, Jesus, when his kingdom is our primary concern, Jesus will give us all the time, all the energy, and all the money for us to be able to do everything that he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Now let me be clear. He, he doesn't give us all the time, energy, and money to build up our personal kingdom. In fact, when you and I are about our personal kingdom, we kind of remain in this constant state of freaking out about time, energy, and money, right? You know, it's like, oh, no, there goes another grain of my time, my time, my money, my energy, it's just going, it's going. It's However, we're about God's kingdom, we're like, hey, wait a second. Like, why am I freaking out about time? God, you made time. And God's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And you know what I can do with time? I can manipulate time. I have all authority over time. Do you remember when God in Joshua 10 literally stopped time and make the sun stand still in the sky, right? And so when, when he's our concern, it's like we don't have to worry about those things. When the kingdom of God is our primary concern, Jesus will give us all the time all the energy, and all the money we need in order to do all he wants us to do. Amen? Amen. However, when we're not about his kingdom, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, are you a wise or a foolish builder? Well, we have to answer some questions, right? Honestly, right? Is God number one? Second question is, is, does God have an all-access pass to my life? Or are there some places that God can't go, right? We hang on a do not disturb sign. You know, like we say, God, you know what? God, you know, God I will serve you as long as it's when I want to serve you. <laughs> you know, it, it, during the time I say is your time. And if you happen to ask me to serve you at a time that's not, that's my time, Sorry, God, you have to wait. No, it doesn't work that way. All time is God's time, right? And, and you know, he will test our availability, right? He, he does that all the time. You know, I, I remember in July of 1987, he, had test, he tested my availability when you know, I had my, my life planned out. Went to the, you know, the Navy after high school, was a nuclear power program, was, had nine and a half years in, was ready to re-enlist, got suckered into being a sponsor for a, a youth trip. And, and well, on that youth trip, God says, I know you want to retire at 38 because you're saying, I'm like, God, I, I, want to, I want to go to Bible college, but, you know, I, I want my pension. You know, I want my health benefits for life, and that's my plan. I'm going to re-up when I go back. And guess what? Didn't happen that way, right? God says, no, it's now. 
now's the time you got to do it. Do, Steve, do I have an all-access pass to your life or not? You know, I, I found it really interesting how he pointed out the difference that sometimes if I see Jesus as my Lord rather than the Lord, it gives me some bad theology. Because when I think he's my Lord, he's like, oh, my little, my, my little cosmic vending machine Lord. You know, he's my Lord, and, and it's like, oh, you're my Lord, Jesus, and I'm glad because my kingdom needs some work. <laughs> you know, make me happy. My Lord, keep me well, protect my family, increase my comfort, relieve my suffering, prevent my failures, fix my mistakes, right? You're my Lord, right? You're my Lord, right? I have some things for you to do. But Jesus is Lord, period. He's Lord over all. There's not one thing that's not under his authority. Philippians says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus is the Lord. And when we get that, when our knees bow to that, when our lives and hearts confess that, we'll pray differently. And we'll want differently. And we will pray, Lord, give me one. Jesus, I just want to love others with the way that you love me. Jesus, I just want your love to flow in me and become a mighty river that flows out of me. And and Lord, I want you to use me up. Not protect me, not keep me from suffering, not make my life easy, safe, and comfortable not fulfill my wildest dreams, but Lord, use me up. And, and that's what prayer is to be about. That's what prayer is ultimately supposed to take you and I, right? Jesus said it, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, is Jesus my personal Lord and Savior, my genie in the lamp, my cosmic vending machine always working and concerned about my best interest, or is he the Lord leading and acting in his own best interest, and I'm serving him? Understand, only then will our life be anything more than sand through the hourglass. Get it? Good. You see, you see God wants us, he wants you and I to live, to live our lives building his kingdom so that when the sand runs out, he's all that's left. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I want to become the kind of Jesus follower who crosses the finish line of faith, exhausted, breathing heavy, muscles aching, with my pockets empty, have been giving everything I had, all my time, all my energy, all my money for his kingdom and his glory. Kind of like runners who run a marathon, right? You see this picture, right? I mean, they gave everything, right? Man, they gave it all. They emptied themselves out. They gave it all, everything they had. Kind of like Paul, right? I want to be like Paul who finished the race. He says this, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time as my death is near, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Yes, to live a life where the advancement 
and building up his kingdom is my primary concern. That's who I want to become. I'm not there yet. You know? And now my, my oldest son and his wife, they're a lot closer than I am. That's a picture of my son John and his wife Hannah holding their keys to their uh, new apartment in Astoria, New York. And he, as part of his training, he's on his way to Morocco, and it's a very diverse community. And, and, and uh, John showed that picture, and he put this on his Facebook. And man, it's just it's why I admire my son so much. He said this, if any of our Orlando friends need furniture, let us know. We'll be selling most everything we have. Our new apartment is much, much smaller than expected. But I guess we're going to have to sell everything eventually anyways. I love it. We've got to get rid of this stuff anyhow. I mean, if we're going to go about building the kingdom in Morocco, we, we can't have I love it. I love it. It's like that stuff is just stuff. He doesn't care. He's not worried. He just wants to build the kingdom. Yes, like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. Brothers and sisters, we can live for something bigger. We can live for something better than our own personal kingdom. We can live for something eternal, something that will last, something that will build God's eternal kingdom. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, now I know you want to go. Okay, and again, you know, and the truth is, we're just not going to accidentally find ourselves building God's kingdom because our default mode, mine and yours, is right. We want to build a personal kingdom, right? That's what concerns us. Like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. Am I building my life on the right foundation? So are you. Am I? Does God have an all-access pass to my life and yours? Or like, uh, sorry, God, <laughs> cross the line, not coming here. Third, am I planting seeds of the gospel? Okay, a couple truths when it comes to planting, okay? We cannot grow what we do not sow, right? You know, I went out and splurged $1.79 plus tax, you know, for some red bell pepper seeds. At least that's what the packet says, right? Um, you know, what are the odds of me growing red bell peppers if I just leave the seeds in this packet? Are they going to, like, grow? Anybody? Any farmers out there? I'm not sure how this works, right? Okay, zero. Zip zero, they're just not, it's just not going to happen, right? You know, it'd be crazy for someone to say, hey, it's like, wait a second, I bought these seeds across the street. I bought these seeds like a year ago, and there's, nothing's happened yet. There must be defective, right? No. It's just not the way it, it, it works. You know, you, you cannot grow what you do not sow. I like what Wayne Gretzky, Gretzky, the great hockey player, said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Right? I mean, if you don't take a shot to connect with your one, you won't, right? You know, if you don't try, then it's already over, right? It's game over already. Scripture says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Listen, if you never plant any seeds of God's love and God's kingdom, then when the sand runs out, you have nothing left. Number two about planting this is, this is really brilliant. Whatever you plant is what you will harvest, right? Like, if I plant these red bell pepper seeds and I go out looking for cucumbers, like, that'd be kind of dumb, right? I'd be like, hey, you planted red bell pepper seeds. You're not going to get cucumbers, Steve, 
It just doesn't work that way. You will plant what you harvest. Paul said this in Galatians. Do not be misled. You cannot mock God. You always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Just the right time we'll reap a harvest, a blessing if we don't give up. We reap what we sow. And that makes sense. I understand it. it, it, it if you spend your life, if I spend my life, if we spend our lives planting seeds for the here and now, when the here and now is destroyed, everything you plant it will be destroyed as well. And do not be misled. The here and now will be destroyed. It's not going to last. This, this world, it's fading fast, right? It's going to be gone. The glory of Jesus will burn up everything, right? And like I said, one or two things are going to happen to everybody in this room, right? Either you're going to die, right, or Jesus is coming back, right? That's it. You know, e- either way, the end is near. Question, so what will you have to show in the end? What will I? We reap what we sow. Understand, if you're not planting for eternity, then you'll reap nothing for eternity. The other hand, If you plant seeds for eternity, you'll reap for eternity. And I say, just just keep slinging the seeds, right? Do not become weary in slinging the seeds. A harvest is coming. Plant the harvest that God desires. Scatter seeds of love and the gospel. Like sand through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. So, Maple Grove... And that includes me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are, are you going to really pray for one? Are you going to pray? Are you going to connect and serve and share and grow? Have you tried it? Have you, have you done it yet? I mean, does it, even, does it even appeal to you? Does it even appeal to me? Brothers and sisters, this may scare you, but I quadruple dog dare you. I mean, I I, I, I don't just dare you. I don't just double dog dare you. I don't just triple dog dare you. I quadruple dog dare you to pray for one. Scripture says that we should decide in our hearts what to give. You know what I say? Give it all. Give it all. Give it all. Give it all for the one who gave it all. So that when the, so that when the, the sand runs out in, in your hourglass, it, 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 it won't be empty, but it'll be full of ones, full of captive ones who've been released, full of oppressed ones who've been set free, full of blind ones who can now see full of pure, poor ones who have received the good news. Amen? Amen. On day 40 of the devotion, I read this this morning. God's will is that no one would perish. God wants every lost one to be found. If you are a servant, then you must live to do his will. Living 
for less is not living at all like sand through the hourglass. Any other purpose is merely a march towards death. Too many people are living to die instead of dying to live. You know, and I, and I was thinking about how, how, how to wrap up this sermon. And, and uh, this morning I read in Luke chapter 5, Jesus encounters his disciples. They were, he was teaching and some guys were washing their nets. They had worked all night and caught nothing. And Jesus got in the boat and he began teaching. And then he said to these fishermen, he says, hey, I, I want you to go out into the deeper waters. You know, I want you to go out into the deeper waters and let down your nets. And that made no sense, right? Because these guys knew that you don't catch fish that way, the Sea of Galilee, that you, you don't go deeper waters in the daytime, you go shallow waters and at night. So you say, he's a completely different way. You know? and, they're, and they're saying, Lord, we're tired, right? We haven't caught nothing. You, know? you ever feel that way in your life? Like, man, you're, you're working so hard, but you're getting nothing out of it, right? I, I, I venture to say it's because you're just living for yourself. I'm living for myself. I'm living for my kingdom, right? And it's totally crazy, right, for someone to say, hey, you know, dying is the way to live, you know. Jesus is inviting you and I to go out into the deeper waters where we're no longer living for ourselves, no longer worrying about our time, energy, and money for ourselves, but we're only worried about building up his kingdom. It's like, that doesn't make sense. How's that going to work, Jesus? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? He says, Trust me, go out into deeper waters, let down your nets, and you'll catch. And if you know the rest of the story, right, they did what he said, caught so many fish, the net, right, started ripping. You know, let's rip the net, right? Let's rip the net for his glory. Let's stop living for ourselves and start living for him, and we'll find out what life is really about. Amen? Amen. Guys, would you stand? I'm going to pray, and, and we have time, you know, to respond to what God has put on our hearts. And each week we respond by remembering, receiving, you know, the Lord's Supper, remembering his broken body and shed blood. We have four stations that you can go to and, and grab your, your cup and cracker. They're together and, you know, and encourage you to do that. And, and maybe you're here with your family. Maybe you circle up with your family or some friends and you just kind of pray together. And you remember together what God did and how much he loves you and what he's done for you. And each of those stations is our offering box, and that's where we say, God, you're number one. You're number one with my money. And, and, and I want to see more people in the kingdom of heaven, and that's why I'm giving. You know, we also have, you know, the, the walls where we're writing the names of somebody, first name of somebody we know that God said, hey, that's the person. I'm counting on you, Steve, to reach. You know, will you do that? Will you make an effort to connect and to serve and to be able to share? And just encourage you guys to do that. And if you're here today and you, you know, you know, you're, you want to talk about how to surrender to Christ, man, I'd love to talk to you about that. I think all of us got to decide, right? Let's quit playing games and let's really make God number one. Would you pray with me? God, I love you. We love you. And God, I pray that as we respond by remembering your death, by giving our offering, by acknowledging the one you put on our heart, God, may you be pleased and you may, may you be honored and may we be a people who are dying in order that we might live. In Jesus' name, amen.